I'm Laura Vinroot Poole. For 20 years, I've owned Capital, an internationally recognized specialty store. Capital has never really been about fashion. It's always been about people. What We Wore was created to share the meaningful journeys that inspire me. From the designers and friends I meet on the road to the men and women with whom I work each day. Everybody wants to know her I was thrilled to sit down with actress and friend Jessica Capshaw. In our conversation, Jessica shares her journey from the challenges of breaking into television as a young actress to her profound role as Dr. Arizona Robbins on Grey's Anatomy, the first openly gay series regular on network television. I loved hearing more about the entertainment industry and how Jess navigates it so beautifully as a working mother of four. Jessica Capshaw, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. We met at the Country Mart, and I think you're basically the mayor of the Brentwood Country Mart. <laughs> <laughs> the mayorette, the mayoress. What is the, what is the it's just mayor. mayor. It's just mayor. It's just mayor. It's just mayor. Yeah. I enjoy it. I, I enjoy the Country Mart. <laughs> but isn't it like the happiest place in the world? It's something something weird about that place. It's just really happy. It makes me very happy. Me I mean, too. I, I think I sort of... I sort of feel like it happened for me, or like the relationship was cemented in the most durable of concretes when we we bought a house, you know, probably within walking distance, like a 10-minute walk away from the mart, and I had had our first child. And it's such a walkable neighborhood. Yeah. And when you're a when you're a new mom, you're kind of like pretty sure there's a disaster on every corner, or that you should be able to be within five minutes of your house. Yeah. If it's like if 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 meltdowns occur, <laughs> yours or theirs. And so I started going to the mart because it was so close, and it was sort of like this. And it hadn't even fully rounded out to be like mm-hmm. the most incredible, robust place that it is now, but. I would go and I would, you know, I would grab a coffee and I'd be able to sit with Luke and yeah. he would, you know, walk and talk and, and it was just sort of, it was, it was so happy and sunny and open and the floor plan sort of made you feel like wherever you were, there you were. You yeah. Know, you weren't like, you weren't super aware that there was so much more in the mart, like whatever story you're right. in, you really feel like you're in that yeah, yeah. place. It's, it's intimate. And one second later you're around the corner and you've got some other world that you're walking into. And then of course, as I had another, another, and another <laughs> child, it became the place that they were so familiar with Yeah. that, you know, I always sort of say truly at 12, nine, seven, and three, if I drop them off <laughs> at the front, Door, and I said like, okay, go grab some breakfast, and then can you do me a couple errands? And then go get go to the shoe I repair. A hundred percent be able to come back and say like, meet me at this spot, and they would yeah. have met me at that spot. They would have had you know seen a couple friends, <laughs> had a, had a good time, gotten their stuff done. So it's just it's so it's like a big warm hug. Tell me where you're from. I was born in uh, Columbia, Missouri. And I, my mom and my dad had met at Mizzou, huh. the University of Missouri. They were both teachers. My mom had been, was born in Texas originally, um, but then she moved to Missouri and sort of lived in Ferguson County, that fluorescent area. Uh-huh. And my dad had um, been raised in a place called Chaffee, Missouri, which is about two hours south of 
St. Louis, um, and had been born into a family that were there was no college, there was no nothing, and so my grandpa was very much like, by hook or by crook, you are going to college, and you will all and be, become the professor. Yeah, you will all either be <laughs> lawyers or doctors, <laughs> and um, and so I guess my father bucked a little bit of convention and uh, decided to become a teacher. But then he, but he met my mom because my mom also was friends with his sisters. So there were two boys and five girls in my dad's side of the family, and my mom was just enamored by this Capshaw family. Like, oh my gosh, these like my my aunts were all like super beautiful and and I mean it's always a lesson and like you never know the whole story. But they seemed super glamorous and they seemed to have it all. And meanwhile, they were you know born to parents who had nothing. Yeah, and it was so not. Um, it was so not some sort of like fluent wealth or anything like that. It hadn't, it was not generational. It was not, it was all sort of brand new. And what did they teach your mom and your dad? My mom taught basically what was called special ed. My mom did that too. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And my mom uh, was, you know, and still is just a beautiful person inside and out. There was like one girl from two towns over that went to New York city and ended up landing herself on the cover of 17 magazine. And of course, as soon as someone that you actually know has done something, it actually becomes possible. It's called an expander. <laughs> we talk about it all the time. It Completely. is. Yeah. It just opens your mind to realizing that you could do it. That it's even possible. Yeah. You know, that it's even an open, available thing. I love that. And so a bunch of her friends were said, you know, Kathy, you should go to New York City and you should see if you could be a model. And so Kathy <laughs> had um, Bobby take some pictures in the backyard that are still in existence and quite beautiful Amazing. and he took some pictures of her in the backyard and then Kathy's very glamorous Kathy's very glamorous she's very beautiful Kathy's very glamorous they went to New York City my mom I mean the story goes that my mom and dad walked into Eileen Ford's modeling agency and I mean and had no point with her I guess and with my with the pictures my dad had taken she signed her and then they just decided to move to New York wow which is wild I mean that is wild it's wild so she was and did 23 you- she had me when she was 22 and I was about two or three. So she, and so you went with her? Yeah. Okay. And we all went. And how, before we get to New York, how do you think Missouri formed you as a person? Having been born there, I think that there's just sort of an innate identity that mm-hmm. is rooted there. Mm-hmm. And then thankfully, I, you know, my parents, not to skip ahead, but my parents got divorced. Yeah. And so when you're a young woman growing up with single parents, you know, I think your gender sort of on some level very much contributes to who you have the most not affinity but ease with right and so that was my mom yeah and so my dad was sort of you know a guy and it was again sort of like a shared custody thing but I wasn't with him all the time and so there's this like little speed bump that you have with being able to like really identify with being with the parent who's the opposite gender and that you don't see all that often and everything else and because he was so strongly tethered to his identity of being mm-hmm. from Missouri and being from a big family, yeah, we would spend most of the time that we had together back there, mm-hmm. which was amazing for me because I had five aunts and I had my cousins. <laughs> so I ended up being in Missouri a lot. So and I bet like those aunts summers. were crazy about you. Crazy about me, and by the way, it was like I was like a I was like a you know a very strange, elaborate, and um, infinitely sympathetic 
character in that like no one had gotten divorced right so I was like this you know poor little Jesse right (laughs) so I mean and I did not milk it I swear but I really did now that I look back on it I mean I just got treated like I was you know everything was like what can we do for you yeah poor little child (laughs) so I spent a ton of time with my grandma and my aunts and then when my mom started working as an actress there were like one of her first movies she had to go to Chicago and she was gonna be working you know probably 12 16 hour days and and my and I, I again for the reasons I just outlined. I, I think I didn't want to stay in New York City with my dad yeah. full time, and so my grandma took me. So yeah. I went to Missouri and I lived in Chaffee with her for, you know, and it seemed like I was there for a year, but I think looking back on it, it was probably like two and a half months, something like that. But um, <laughs> again, it was just sort of like who I was. Your mother is still so Missouri, also. She is. I know. Oh, she loves it. I mean, she talks about it. I know. Yeah. Tell me about growing up with her. She's she really is so glamorous inside and out, but such a lovely person. I want to hear about her style and kind of and the the it, the evolution. Yeah, because that's a big yeah. evolution, yeah. right? Yeah. So my mom was just as very independent, very strong, but also very soft and very um, feminine mm-hmm. and nurturing and very maternal. Fun, like fun, 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 fun. We laughed so much. She always. And she still does, like, loves making fun of herself, loves making fun of situations. There's not a ton of ego there, you know? Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I feel like the first style that I really remember, and definitely I remember her putting I, her imprint on me, was, like, she, in New York City in those early days, she was very Annie Hall. Mm-hmm. She still is. She is. Yes, yeah, she has. She still is. She was very Annie Hall, and then Annie Hall's daughter was very Laura Ashley. <laughs> so <laughs> I was very, like, in the sailor dresses yeah. and the sort of like the little prairie <laughs> vibe yes and the socks and <laughs> and and I did go to a school with uniforms so it was like I was either in like the uniform with the bobby socks <laughs> and the shiny shoes and all that stuff and the side pony um <laughs> a half upside pony <laughs> or I was in the Laura the Ashley. full Laura Ashley yes. here oh yeah yes oh, I love that how do you think her style influenced you I holistically loved her so I think that it just became such a positive imprint like all the things that she wore were just lovely yeah yeah you grew up in new york and and with your family in missouri back and forth and then how did you get to la and when did you get to la and i'm sure your style changed a lot at that point yes it did it (laughs) completely did you're making me think of it and it it did so my mom so she had started working in film and then it, it sort of was like she all of a sudden had like a very alive career yeah and back then a little more than even now they would you would go on location like you would go mm-hmm. make the movie wherever the movie was meant to take place so there was a lot of traveling but uh, she also had met and fallen in love with someone who had who lived in Los Angeles so we moved to Los Angeles from New York how old were you at this point I'm probably like seven. Oh wow and what was that like was it scary I, I was just saying this to a friend of mine that I and I don't remember it being scary. I mean, I remember like I was, I was, I had such a strong relationship with my mom. Yeah. And I was so used to being around adults <laughs> that I just was, you know, I was infinitely sort of adaptable. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you're, yeah. There, there when you're an only child too. My daughter is an only child. I think she's 
so comfortable around adults. Yeah. And there's, there weren't a lot of babysitters, you know, yeah. it was sort of like you true. Went, it's where so true. You went wherever your parents were. Yeah. And so I was with my mom all the time. Mm-hmm. I was probably more uncomfortable in circumstances where I had to be with a bunch be of children, bunch of kids than I was <laughs> with my mom and all of her friends. But we did, we came to Los Angeles and I ended up going to this very progressive school up on Mulholland called Westland. That was lovely and completely like that place where you're like free to be a kid and free to be dirty and you know, all that good stuff. I mean, it was not a traditional education in any way, shape, or form. And I definitely spent a lot of time, like, making adobe bricks and baklava <laughs> and talking about my feelings. And that was good, you yeah. know? And at that point, I don't think that style was on my radar at all. Everything was going to get dirty, so there was no point in actually spending... No, I'm sorry. Towards the end of that, it was all about esprit. Oh, yeah. Esprit was big. Esprit was so big. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I remember, for I sure. And Benetton. Benetton. But that was also, at the time, sort of like above our pay grade. Yeah. So it was very aspirational. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Guess. To be able to... Yes, 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 yes. Guess was big triangle so big. on your tush. And you could pick out before school, you could like maybe get one pair of jeans when you were like, I think I'm going to do the ones like that have the pockets here or whatever yes. it is. And you would spend the, the whole summer wash. thinking about it. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> but acid wash would most definitely not be like your primary pair, right? No, 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 no. Only like if you could get an, like a, like an auxiliary pair, would you go for the acid wash? Otherwise it was straight up done. <laughs> but then yeah, the little zippers on the ankles. Yes. Yeah. When you went to Brown, did you have to get like a whole new wardrobe? Well, that was when I get I sort of had like another shift in personality. So I've been like this high, this West Coast high, high school California girl, right, with the baby tees and yeah. the mini skirts <laughs> and everything else. And then when I got into Brown, I was just I, I was so excited. Yeah, and I was so excited to go back to the East Coast. I was so excited to be independent. In my mind, I think I actually thought I was only going to go there for a little bit because then I was going to become a, little a bit. huge movie star. <laughs> that was going to happen somehow. I didn't know how. And um, <laughs> so when I got ready to go, I remember my mom and I going shopping. And I was like, truly, it was like I was going to play a part in a movie. <laughs> I mean, I, like, I mean, I would like look for my like Ally McGraw inspiration, like you know, <laughs> collegiate wear and like East Coastness of it all. I love and I remember it. getting there and being like these girls that were real tried and true East Coasters. Right. I was like, they wore it so easily, like that <laughs> popped up collar that made me feel like I was again in a movie, but it looked so natural on them. And like just figure like the Patagonia that somehow like so seamlessly integrated into the Ralph Lauren situation that was happening. <laughs> And then, like, there was the fringe aspect of it all. But I was very sort of, like, just, like, I, I went a little, like, retro or nostalgic. I, I ended up wearing a lot of, like, turtlenecks and those jumpers, like, in, like, uh-huh. a plaid that had, like, was, like, they were very fitted. And then they had, like, a little, like, little wow. pockets in the front. And yeah. they were short. And I wear tall boots. Cool. And, yeah, I was very, um, yeah, I was very into that. <laughs> and you studied English at Brown. I did. Well, at Brown, the great thing is you can sort of study everything. Right. I would never have been benefited by having to ever take one more math class. <laughs> and so I did not. I took every kind of class. So I was, I think I ended up being like maybe like one or two credits shy of having like a double concentration in art history and English huh. because I loved art history. Yeah. But again, you know, I had my, I had my sights on Hollywood, so I wasn't going to need this degree that I got, Laura. <laughs> We ask everybody before before we interview them, I guess, pre-interview, who did you seek approval from the most in your career or in your life choices? And you are definitely the only person that said myself, 
which I think is so cool and amazing and unexpected. I mean, I'm, and I'm thinking about you moving to all these different places. It all came from you. I mean... That's rare, just so you know. <laughs> I mean, again, if you think about, you know, having sort of like a split household and you think about moving yeah. a lot, you're sort of the constant, like wherever you are, there you are. And so it makes sense to me that I, that I relied on myself. Going into acting, is it something, was your family supportive or were they, they trying were. to talk you out of it? <laughs> no, they were. They were, they were very supportive. I mean, I'm the oldest of seven. I mean, I was the kid that when I was 15, before I even had a driver's license, got a work permit so I yeah. could work at Shinchin as a hostess, which is <laughs> not like an incredibly satisfying job. But I think that I wanted it because I wanted like a piece of something that was mine. Control over yeah. your life. Yeah. yeah. And I always loved working. Like I, I wanted to work, you know, as soon as, as soon as they would let me, I, I loved working. Mm-hmm. I loved that responsibility. When I got out of college and I, and I went to start acting, they were supportive in the way of like, they didn't tell me not to. Mm-hmm. I think that anybody who's in this business, if you think about the people that you love the most, which would probably be your partner and your children, it's hard to say you'd be super supportive or like, or drive them towards it because you know how fucking hard it is. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, I mean, it's yeah, so and heartbreaking. Hard and heartbreaking. I think as parents, we end up sort of fulfilling the spot in our children's lives and their, their ideas of who we are. And we probably seem like nothing ever goes wrong. And everything's, <laughs> you know, fantastic. And, and I try really hard to talk to the kids, especially the nine and 12 year old about. I mean, just how many failures? I have been not picked so many more times than I have been picked. <laughs> Our podcast is almost always with fashion industry people, and I, I would love to hear a little bit about what it, what it is like to be a young actress. I mean, what what was that like? It's thrilling, and it, uh, I mean, the possibilities, right? You mean because you're young, uh-huh. right? That's when you I mean that's when everybody like smokes and drinks too much because right. like, I'm never going to die. So the possibilities are endless. I mean, I don't remember my thoughts being crowded with the idea of failure. Mm-hmm. I remember being like, I'm going to succeed. I don't know how yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know which way is going to be the right way, but I'm just going to do and think and say it all and see what happens. I do remember looking back, I, I definitely had a sense of self-confidence that's disproportionate with what, <laughs> what I had going on. I didn't think and then do I did and then thought but I was never reckless you know I was just I was just very very driven to get what I wanted and so when I first came out at the time the business was super bifurcated into television and film Mm -hmm. and actors who did film never did did television and actors who did television were definitely considered it was definitely a pecking order and it was definitely on the other side the side that you might not want to be on (laughs) Um, you go on all these castings and again, you don't get picked and you don't get picked. And the first step is that you go in and you read. And at that point in your life, you're pretty much pre-reading. So the casting director is, has an assistant and, and then you're reading for the assistant. And then if you could pass, pass the muster, assistant, then you go into the <laughs> casting director. And if you pass muster, you go to see, you know, your possession with the director. And so I remember it definitely being like baby steps. And I definitely remember celebrating the times where I was like, I made it past the pre-read and I made it. Oh my gosh, I'm going to a director session and having that be really thrilling. I remember having to sort of figure out how to negotiate and quell nerves because it's such a nerve wracking oh um, sort of situation to be in and then I remember ultimately there was this moment where I really wasn't succeeding like I wasn't getting the jobs and it was because I was going out for film and you know at the time it's like the, the independent film 
sort of situation had really started. So there was a lot of that. But then there was mainstream movies. And I just wasn't ever getting hired. And I was so bummed because that was not going to be my story. Because mm-hmm. I was going to make it. And then, so that must have been like, you know, September through December, right? It was like three months of just like no jobs, no jobs, not getting hired. And then pilot season came. And that was where, you know, television had, I mean, you were getting sent seven scripts a day <laughs> and you were going on three auditions a day and everything moves really fast and you're, you know, you go in and then because they want to snap up the talent, you know, you've got a test deal offer and everything's just very exciting. And that was when I sort of went from feeling like the last, the last girl picked for the team to the first girl picked from the team. And I was like, done and done. <laughs> My gosh, I'm a team. I'm made for TV. <laughs> And um, and then and then I just started working. Was there a particular person that stood out? I guess at that time as a mentor to you. Did you talk to your mom about it, or were there friends that were doing the same thing? I had friends because it sounds so. The reason I ask is it sounds so alone, like lonely. (laughs) I mean, it feels it sounds scary and lonely. Yeah, you have to be in relationship. You have to have connection. You have to have purpose and and what and what is my purpose and how do I design that day to feel like at the end of it I've contributed and I've connected Mm -hmm. because if I haven't and when I didn't I felt very lonely Mm -hmm. but I had you know my best friend from college who moved out with me so I had a roommate Mm -hmm. and I remember going to a lot of acting classes which is a mixed bag but I was not I was not lonely if anything there were times that were like my dark times were just like wondering if it was gonna ever happen it happened though and your and your your I think your most beloved role was Dr. Arizona Robbins yeah. on Grey's Anatomy. Will yeah. you talk about that? It was really significant. I mean, it was a it was a big deal for television, actually. Yes, it did end up being. It did end up. It, it did. I ended up getting hired to do this David Kelly show called The Practice, mm-hmm. and that felt like my like legitimization. Like I've, I've, I'm actually like a real actress on a real television show that's gone for more than twelve episodes. So I ended up doing two seasons on that. So then the following year, my husband and I are had just gotten married, and like you do, like you have your shows that you watch together and whatnot. And there's some premiere of some show on a Sunday night at eight o'clock or nine o'clock. And it was called Grey's Anatomy. And I was like, we should watch that. We watched it and it became our show. So like every Sunday <laughs> oh, night really? we watch it and we loved it. <laughs> and I mean, we like doubled down on it. That's all the so feelings, funny. all the like, the, I loved every character, loved every relationship, <laughs> believed it all, all. <laughs> At that time, I then went back to New York and did a couple of plays, and then I came back to LA, and then I was sort of like trying to figure out what I was doing. Then I got pregnant, and then I did another pilot, didn't go, and my agent all the while had known that Grey's Anatomy was my favorite show. And I had Luke in September, and about two weeks after I had him, I get a phone call from my agent that, where she said, listen, I'm not pressuring you at all. I, I don't even think you should. But I know that you'd be so upset if I didn't tell you that they're looking to hire someone for, you know, a three to five episode arc on Grey's Anatomy. Do you want to go in? And I was like, um, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And so, I mean, I'm two weeks postpartum. Oh, my God. I throw on, like, 14 pairs of Spanx. <laughs> I concoct an outfit. It was all about the outfit because I had to like create a waist where there yeah. was not one. To, there was not one to talk about or to see. So it was like a trench coat situation. And and I remember thinking like, I it better not be hot in there because I can't take this off. If I take this off, the whole outfit falls apart. So I went in and it was Shonda and Linda Lowy, who was the casting director. And, and I read it 
and then I like and I'm, I'm like my mom watched Luke while we were there and I'm in, in like an hour away I mean the whole thing like stem to stern took like four and a half hours and by the time I got home I was like <gasps> like I did it I did it yes and I get a phone call that night and they're like they really liked you. They'd like you to come back again and do a chemistry read. And I was like, I what? Like, I can't do that. <laughs> I just had a baby. I just did that. Like, what do you mean? Like, look, like, can you tell them just like, pull up the video or something? I don't know. So it was for a different part. And it was a part that people who know and love Grays will remember as Nurse Rose. And it was uh, a little romantic thing with Patrick Dempsey, who I had worked with right. on the practice because he'd come to guest star. So I go back in and Patrick and all of his charm is there and I go in with all of my like whatever I can muster <laughs> all your estrogen all my estrogen my charm and my like like, like my cotton pad stuffed in my bra and it was like a great meeting and I remember I remember feeling like having not to be cheesy but like having some kind of connection with Shonda in the room and I remember like feeling their approval if you will but then I got a phone call that was like, it's not going to go your way. They hired someone else. And I was like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. I was so proud of myself for just doing yeah. it. So then maybe like a year later, my agent called and she's like, you know, remember how Shonda and Linda really like you and there's another part and, you know, here's a side. Do you want to go in? I was like, of course I do. So I go in and I get called back again. And then they call and they say, um, it's not going to go your way. But they really, really love you. I'm like, no, they don't. They do not love me. If they left me, they would give me a job. <laughs> so I left, but I remember them saying like, but we really are going to find something for you. And then my agent called me maybe a couple months later and was like, you know, they're really still thinking about writing something for you. And I was like, mm, yeah, whatever. Then out of nowhere, I get this phone call and it's like, they would like for you to come to this three episode arc. That year, there had been a writer's strike, which was, everybody will remember, it was a really, like, sort of scary time because mm. people weren't working. And so, like, there were, no one was making any money. And yeah. so it was getting scary. I just, so I, my point is, I was just, like, infinitely grateful. I mean, I, I actually remember, like, sort of, like, falling to my knees grateful. I was with my mom when I got the phone call. And just so happy. And it was, again, I get to get my favorite show. Yeah, that's so, unbelievable. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly threw myself into the whole thing. And, and, and three then, episodes turned into ten seasons. three episodes turned into ten seasons, which is crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, so I went in, and, and I think, like, right around the third episode, um, that I was in coming out, one of the producers came up to me and said, Shonda would like to talk to you. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. What do you mean? What does she want to talk to me about? <laughs> I figured if I didn't make eye contact with people, like they'd just let me stay. <laughs> and so she there she was like wanting to talk to me. And so I went in and hi. <laughs> and she said something to the extent of like, how do you feel about um, Arizona being gay? Like how do you feel about kissing, kissing your girl? Something, something like that. And I was like, Sounds fun. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. <laughs> By the way, I've done that. And she was like, huh? And I was like, yeah, I love the L word. I've kissed girls. I'm totally like, yes, that's, that's totally in my toolkit. I have that. I have that ability to kiss girls. <laughs> and so I just sort of like said that. And she was like, okay, great. And then I was sort of dismissed. And and then I and then I got out and I was like, what, is, what does that even mean? Because I think also like all my scenes had been with... Um, Justin Chambers, who plays Alice yeah. Karev. And so I, I actually thought that... Because I knew that... Katie Heigl was sort of transitioning out, and I, I just I didn't know anything. So there I was, and I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, I'm gonna be gay." But like, interesting, <laughs> who am I gonna be? Like, wow, all right. It it just it snowballed into like the birth of this relationship between Arizona and Callie, and then just like high drama and like beautiful 
scripts and relationship and then all of a sudden it was sort of like I remember when I because I was a guest star at that point but the next season I got hired as a series regular and I do remember someone saying when I was doing press at that time I think that Arizona was the only openly gay series regular character on network television that's extraordinary which was I didn't even notice again call back to being raised by yeah and in the generation that was like okay great like you can do it all right like yeah there's no like love is love right and well, how who, 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 like, whatever it looks like is whatever it looks like I watched the last episode yesterday <laughs> I cried my eyes out oh my god it was so sad it's devastating yeah and how did so and when you left was it devastating actually it was. It was devastating because it was, I mean, I had been there for so a long. Time. long. Yeah. yeah. And and so there was, you know, I had three babies while I was there. Yeah. Even though it wasn't, there was a, there was a permanence of, like, of Grey's Anatomy in my life. Mm-hmm. And a sort of cadence in which I knew what my school year looked like, if you right. will. And I think that that was definitely a, a, a challenge to process. You're also very high functioning, and I think probably having that all mapped out for ten year or ten seasons yeah. to know I'm doing this, then I'm doing this, and then all of a sudden not having that had to be hard. Yeah, and I think it was also that you know so many people because of course when you say you have four kids, people go, "What? <laughs> four kids?" In a way, it was easy because I knew what I was doing. I mean, I didn't know what my schedule would be, and sometimes I did work a ton. Sometimes mm-hmm. I didn't work a ton, but I knew where I was going, and I knew what I was doing, and I knew you know, how to sort of make it all happen. And and I was really good. Like, I remember one of the things that my mom said to me really early on, I did a movie and I went up to, I was on location and I came back. And when you do a movie on location, you definitely, it's sort of a camp. Like you make yeah. these really strong bonds and mm-hmm. friendships. And then you come home and you sort of a little bit are like, well, where am I? And yeah. What am I doing? And how, what? And I remember being sort of super blue about it. My mom said, you know, the most important thing to remember in this job is that you have to you have to create a life and then you have to go off and do a job your job can't be your life right and 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 you need to be able to understand the difference and I was like okay great yeah and (laughs) that I took two grays with me because I would go to work and then I would come home and I would have my life one of the things that we have in common I think is that we it's really important for you and for me to show our children how much we love our work and how important work is yeah has that been hard? I had my, my mother as a model, but I also am, I'm a very, I love reading and I'm a very, I'm, I'm very curious mm-hmm. about all perspectives and I'm very, very keen to learn from people who have done things before me. Mm-hmm. I'm independent and like, I definitely will choose which way I want to do it, but I'm very dependent on and very happy to accept all advice and, you know, shortcuts. And I remember reading a book called um, How to Raise an Adult. and It's a really good book. I've read it. <laughs> it's such a good book. It's such a good book. It's such a good book. And, you know, I always say, listen, read the whole thing. But there is, for people who are um, who don't have a ton of time, the first half of the book is really sort of like, how did we get here to this hyper, hyper, like, hyper parenting moment and model? And then the second half is like, what do we do now that we're here? There was a million important things I took away from it. But one of them was, if... When you leave them, you frame it as something that's so sad and bad. Like, yeah. oh my, my mama does not want to leave, but I have to go to work. Then what exactly are you saying to your child? Exactly. Right? Like, you should accept a life in which you have to do all these things you don't want to do. Right. And you really love them above all else. And they're the only things that like, yeah. make your wheel turn. 
no, not good. Does not seem not, like not a, good. a winning proposition. No. <laughs> so I remember really, really like putting that into action with my kids and being like, I love going to work. I don't always love it, but for the most part, I love what I do. And so I'm going to go to work and you're going to be fantastic and fine and taken care of because of all the other work that I've done to make sure that you are. And that's going to be okay. So I feel like, you know, that, that part was actually really rewarding for me. And I remember my daughter, like, you know, towards the end when I was leaving Gray's, I, 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 I didn't like sit them all down and say, okay, so now I'm not going to go back next season. And, and it sort of kind of ended up like just jumping out and my at the time seven-year-old daughter was like wait hold on what's happening and I said well you know I'm not gonna go back next year and she burst into tears why are you crying I mean oh my gosh you're so sad why are you so sad and she was I love that you have a job and I love that you go to work and I'm so proud of you and I love saying that my mom goes to work and I mean she had this whole I love that thing and I and I and I just sort of like I held her and I said I I really get that I really do like I understand that and I'm so grateful that you feel that way and by the way there will be other jobs that you're super psyched that I'm doing yeah. and it's going to be really fun to figure out what those are <laughs> and she and she totally you know she she got on board right away but I, I it was actually like a perfect example of you know given that that's how she you know how, how we framed it yeah that's how she feels about it I love that. Yeah, it was really sweet. I've read that you consider yourself half introvert. I think I am too. Yeah. <laughs> How do you find alone time with four children and a career? Oh. <laughs> and, and what is and um, what does self care look like for you? Self care for me is is taking the time to be out of that for a minute. And sometimes, you know, it's like. Eh, it's a drive it's a mm-hmm. walk it's a a hike it can be I don't mind being alone you yeah. know and I love it yeah <laughs> but the reason why I do feel like I'm half or, or technically an ambivert is because I also love and I'm like completely attracted to being in the center of a super fun party and like <laughs> and having a great time doing that and talking to a bunch of people but then by the end of it I do think that I am sort of like then ready for mm-hmm. no talking have you ever done your Myers Briggs? Do you remember Myers Briggs? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I, I wonder what you are. <laughs> I don't remember it at all. I know that it, it's sort of like, and I do like to think about things. It's funny because it's like, I I love that I did say it, and it is true, which is that I seek approval from myself. But I am also always contemplating different sides of things. Like if I get <laughs> stuck in anything, it's usually in that I. I care too much about all the different sides of an equation. I don't have a lot of friction in my life. Most of my relationships are are quite easy. And I'm really, um, I'm proud of myself for being very honest and upfront. And Mm -hmm. I'm not a secret keeper and I'm not a tricky person. I'm sort of like what you see. No drama. You You definitely are like that. Um, But that doesn't mean that other people won't think that 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 I am. And I'm learning right, like right now I'm very fascinated by how differently we all see the world. Mm. And I don't know that I necessarily thought about that or allowed for that. So when you have that moment of all of a sudden you're like in this like interaction that feels like it's rife with friction or, or whatever, and you're I did nothing to contribute to this. What is happening right now? <laughs> and you realize that it's not personal. Yeah, it's not about Someone's you. Someone's coming it's not about at something. You. It's not about you. Yeah. It's not about you. That's what you really realize. <laughs> yes. But it becomes about you 
in how you react to it, right? Yes. Well, it's going to help you with having four children because I think that the best parents are the ones that have multiple children and they're all completely different. When you when you realize that you allowed your children to really be themselves, I think those are great parenting families. Yeah. It's very and it's interesting to watch. <laughs> I'm and sure. To be a part of cuz you know, I look at Luke at 12 and I think about all you think about all that birth order um, yeah. psychology and you're like, "Well, you, of course it is because <laughs> For obvious reasons to people who have parents, but I mean, who are parenting, but it's just, it's like you have this one child and it's just, it, it seems like your end all be all. Like it's just everything has to happen. Yeah, and, right. And, and then you get to your fourth and you let her spray paint her hair pink blue, and blue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're happy to. You're like, this is amazing. This is awesome. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. What's nice for you? I think that being married to such a wonderful man and such a wonderful person has created partnership that has allowed for both of us to find our purpose but in different ways so Mm -hmm. there'll be times where you know when Christopher was creating Honest I remember I was at Gray's and I remember like we were both we were creating our work and had the purpose of going to work but we were also creating this family Mm. and we were probably at that time more concentrated on the on the kids part of it because we were younger and didn't know you actually still had to pay attention to your marriage and your partnership (laughs) and so we hit that you know speed bump when it came and we all of a sudden looked at each other we were like when do we ever who are you who are you and like (laughs) is that different than it was seven years ago is it where where are you like are we going to the same place like what's happening and I do always laugh about the fact that for some reason it was like after the birth of the third child you really know that like for whatever reason, like that's the per- like you guys are stuck together. <laughs> After three kids, I don't want to tell you. Like if you don't like it, we better fix it. <laughs> but I remember just sort of feeling like my purpose and has been always to sort of like create a really. I mean, purpose for me is so split right now. I guess, and I do always talk about this when people ask me. But people always say, you know, how do you? when I say I have four kids people always go like how do you do it all and how do you balance it and I always say like it's not a balance it's mm-hmm. a, it's on any given day I'm a better actress than I am a mother because mm-hmm. I didn't show up for x y or z right. for my kid but I, I really showed up for my job or I'm a better wife mm-hmm. than I was a parent or whatever it is so I, I feel like every day my purpose shifts mm-hmm. I've gotten very excited about letting each day be like show me what yeah. my purpose is. Yeah. And I feel like for work it's really about finding stories to tell that excite me. I think it's a really fascinating time for women and I think that there's sort of this idea that women between like 35 and 65 are sort of like the ultimate consumers but at the at the same time are sort of being really no marginalized. Yeah. And so people are getting sort of hip to that but at the same time it's sort of it's slow moving on some level. I feel like telling those stories, like I have a, I have a passion and a purpose when it comes to that. I've sort of been waking myself up to the idea and being convinced by others that, uh, that I can write and yeah. that I can produce. You are an English major. I can exactly. And that <laughs> I can do all these things. Yeah. Even though I haven't yet. On every podcast, we ask what people wore to the prom, and I cannot wait to hear what you wore to the Harvard Westlake prom. I'm so excited. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is really going to be a thing. Are you ready? Okay. So, <laughs> I went to two. I, I was going to say, I'm sure there were a couple. <laughs> I guess, actually, I think I went to three. I went, my boyfriend was a senior, and I was a sophomore, and to that one, I wore a 
I mean red. <laughs> really red. Norma Kamali. Cool. With like the bustier boning and the bra wow. strap situation. That is rad. Uh, I still have it. Ah. Uh, that went into like a tiny little waist and then almost was like it, it almost looked like a dance dress. Like, yeah. I think it had a bodysuit in it. That's cool. Right? Because that's what yeah, the yeah, yeah. used to yeah, do. Yeah. So there was a bodysuit in it mm-hmm. that was like a snap crotch. And then I love. Like a flare skirt. <laughs> and then I wore some high heels that were like some... Red? They, no, they weren't. I think I probably wanted to get a pair and get them dyed to match exactly. But Kathy said no. <laughs> mom could get Kathy was like, um, I'm busy with having a lot of children right now. And I cannot take you to <laughs> the, the shoemakers right now. Um, no, I think they were like... Actually, sadly, they're probably the bad part of the outfit. They were red, they were gold and black. That's okay. That's mm, it. They were not cute. They okay. Were, they, they weren't. Okay. Then the... Oh, I missed the second software. Yeah, I missed the second time. Okay. My junior year because my family was in Poland making a movie called Schindler's List. I've heard of it. So I missed... Not a lot of proms in Poland, I imagine. Not a lot of proms okay. in Poland. Okay. Then my senior year... And my mother must have been thinking this was to make up for, this is two problems in one. I actually wore two dresses. You did a costume change? No, this is the crazy part. This like actually, I think you're going to actually really respect this because I have to say it was actually probably one of my more creative, uh, younger styling fashion moments. So Hervé Léger had not, it had not gone mainstream. Right. Like nobody knew about it. Like the bandage Mm -hmm. dress was like, nobody knew about that. There was this, also, again, go back to Norma Kamali. It was a Norma Kamali shift dress. I also, I also still have this one. Um, cool. That had sort of like a boat neck and was like a 20s design. Pretty. It was like a sheath. And it was intricately sequined uh-huh. uh, and, and beaded. It wasn't shiny or reflective huh. sequins. It was like Beautiful. beaded. And it kind of like had this lower, it was really short, but it was totally see-through. And so... Under it, look at you. I wore the cream colored. It was a cream color. That's rad. Under it, I wore a cream colored Hervé Leger. Wow, like bustier basic. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and like so a, to how the prom, cool. I wore that, and then for the after party, I took off the beaded part. Oh my change, gosh! But it was two dresses. That is awesome. <laughs> and I did, and I wore it again. I wore. I remember wearing it. I wore it in college. I wore it wow. after college. That's I really mean, cool. Was, yeah, it was definitely. And I think I wore some sort of strappy, goldy something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love it. Thank oh you so so much. Oh my gosh! Of course. We, I loved having you. <laughs> this was great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. What We Wore is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.